Hey there, this is It's All Good, a Block Club Chicago podcast. I'm your host, John Hansen. This is episode 98. Alder People and an influential restaurant industry group have reached a compromise on a plan to eliminate the sub-minimum wage for tipped workers. That's the lead paragraph of Quinn Meyer's story that went up this afternoon. And uh, Quinn, this podcast is called It's All Good. Some people see this as good news, maybe not others. Can you first start off, Quinn, by explaining kind of how the process, what the wages are, how it all works right now for people in this industry. So there is uh, the minimum wage in Chicago, depending on the size of your company, is either $15 an hour or up to $15.80. However, there is a separate tier, as there are in many places, for tipped workers, usually restaurant workers or or bartenders, you know, people who work in the service industry. Um, They make uh, anywhere from $9 to $9.48 an hour. That's just their base pay. And then the rest of their pay is made up of tips they still are legally required to make that regular minimum wage threshold. However, sometimes there are issues and, you know, depending on what happens, uh, there are some bad actors. Anyway, there's uh, been some critiques of this system um, and people have called it the sub-minimum wage. And so there's been an effort in Chicago to try to do away with this and get everyone on the same system, essentially. Um, And then restaurant workers, bartenders, servers would then make tips on top of the regular minimum wage. So that's kind of where we are in in this conversation. I hope I hope that makes sense. And I think most restaurant workers are like, we get it, we know, but other people may not. That yes, they are guaranteed to make the minimum wage in theory, despite the bad actors or in spite of the bad actors, I should say. Uh, okay, so what is this compromise? I mean, this push for Chicago tipped workers to make the overall minimum wage. This has been brewing for a bit. It has, although it really picked up uh, this summer when progressive alder people um, introduced the so-called one fair wage ordinance. Basically, that would give the city uh, two years, restaurants mostly across the city, two years to do away with the tipped minimum wage, the sub-minimum wage, and get everyone out to that same level. Um, Just recently, there's been a compromise ordinance that has come uh, from uh, the Illinois Restaurant Association, all their people, and the mayor, Brandon Johnson, who kind of brokered this whole thing, basically extending that phase-in period. So uh, the original ordinance said, okay, you have two years to get everyone on the same system. This says, okay, now we're going to phase it in over the next five years, um, starting in July, if this passes, we should say. Eight percent. It would go up eight percent per year. Uh, essentially, it's now at sixty percent. Eight times five. If I'm doing math correctly, is forty. So then, in five years, we will get to parity here. It'll be all the same. Um, and again, this has to go through the city council. It's going to a committee meeting tomorrow on Wednesday, and then if pa- if it passes, it will then have to be approved by the full city council later this fall. What are you hearing from people who work in this industry about where this leaves them? You know, um, I've talked to a few people, and I think we're going to be doing some more reporting on this um, before the final ordinance goes to city council. Um, Kind of a variety of of things. Um, Some servers say, uh, you know, hey, I actually make well more than this, but I've been in other jobs or I know people who do not, and this could really help them. Um, Restaurant owners, and especially the restaurant group, have expressed, uh, the Restaurant Association have expressed uh, a lot of concern, saying this could uh, lead to job loss or people will just be less inclined to leave a big fat tip, I guess, on their dinner bill. Um, I talked to Sam Toya. He's the president of the Illinois Restaurant Association today. Um, He said something interesting, basically that he thinks this could impact restaurants, uh, their staffing levels. If you have six servers per night, maybe you'll have five. If you have two busboys, maybe you'll just hire one for that night. Although, um, you know, backers of the proposal say this phase in period should mean that 
restaurants can get used to this and won't have to scale back at all, that this will just kind of be business as usual as it's very slowly becomes law over the, law over the next uh, five years. I guess that makes sense because the restaurant is now going to be shouldering the burden as opposed to the tip to be the difference between the sub-minimum wage and the overall minimum wage. Right. That's what the Restaurant Association is saying. Um, And then, you know, servers will still be able to make tips on top of this, basically. Right. So it is um, kind of a boost um, for, uh, you know, waiters, bartenders, um, you know, the mayor's office and and supporters say uh, that a bulk of the people who will be impacted are women of color who work in restaurants, mostly smaller restaurants all over the city. Um, So we could see a significant increase in base pay for them, some more stability as they um, as this kind of gets phased in. Um, But again, we will see what happens through city council. This is not totally a done deal yet, although um, the other people I spoke with feel pretty confident this will get passed. I really wonder about consumer behavior if they know that a uh, waiter or waitress or server is making that minimum wage, because I feel like we all know, I mean, a lot of people have worked in the service industry, even if they don't anymore or have friends that do. And we've always been under the assumption, yeah, the tip is where they make their money. I wonder the consumer behavior, even starting when this passes, let alone the five years that this takes to implement, if people are gonna start to think, hey, in Chicago, they're making this, Maybe I'll leave a little tip on top, but it's going to be nowhere near the 20, 25 percent I've been leaving in the past. I imagine that's an interesting point that servers are going to have to try and contend with. And there's going to have to be kind of some messaging about this for people. Sure. And, you know, it, it reminds me of the kind of conversation we've been having about service fees. We've seen this since COVID, this kind of 3% or it's various uh, various amounts of different restaurants pop up at different places. Um, and that goes towards, um, you know, the cost, the increased cost of um, food and liquor. Um, also, the increase, a lot of the restaurants are now paying for um, health care. So I think, you know, we are kind of having this larger societal conversation about about how we pay restaurant workers, how we pay um, tipped workers. Um, so no doubt this will have an impact on it. And I could see there being a little bit of a shaky start to it as, as um, people might say, well, hey, I don't have to leave a 20% tip anymore. Maybe I'll just leave 15 and or even less. Or even less. I, I got to say that this... I mean, maybe maybe you saw it coming as someone who covers this stuff, but this is a compromise that was not a guaranteed compromise between people like Sam Toya and these groups and the mayor as well. Um, are you surprised this kind of came together in, in such a cohesive way kind of quickly? You know, I think the mayor and all their people, his supporters, are, are kind of patting themselves on the back and saying, look, we are open to compromise here. Um, you know, Sam Toya admits that the mayor and his supporters had the votes without a compromise. They could have had this phased in in two or three years. And per his insistence, and again, this is what he's saying, um, that they gave him this longer runway, right? And I think um, Mayor Brandon Johnson, that's kind of speaks to his larger messaging around his so-called co-governance model. He wants to bring in people, uh, even people he doesn't necessarily agree with, to weigh in and actually have meaningful impact on legislation. You know, we saw that happen at least a little bit in the uh, Bring Chicago Home Ordinance, which is um, resolution really, which is moving through city council. It was just introduced last week. That is the proposal to um, raise the city's real estate transfer tax on high-end properties. And then the all the funds raised would then fund homelessness intervention services, permanent housing, other wraparound services. Um, that has been scaled back a little bit from the original proposal uh, in an attempt to compromise and kind of try to win support from at least um, skeptical other people, if not the real estate industry. 
Unlike the uh, one fair wage, though, the real estate industry has not even gotten behind Bring Chicago Home like Sam Toya and the Chicago and the Illinois Restaurant Association have still vehemently against it, even with the kind of watered down proposal that we are seeing move through city council. So, you know, there are various ways. And I, I you know, I think there's a, it's an uh, it's an approach to to government or uh, politics or at least a, a messaging around that that Mayor Brandon Johnson's um office is trying to put out there that, hey, they're open to working with everybody. Okay. So as you said, tipped minimum wage, the uh, rising over the next five years, or excuse me, the sub-minimum wage. I don't even know how to, I, I got to get better at this phrasing. Tipped wage. I mean, sub-minimum wage is um, kind of, that's what uh, a lot of activists and people who have been supporting this measure call it. I think some of the people on the other side would bristle at that because they would say, well, you know, legally you have to get up to the Wage anyway, it's a message. It definitely is a messaging marketing technique. Subminimum wage, uh, tipped wage, you know, various whatever ways. it is, it still yeah. has to go through a city council committee. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we recorded it on Tuesday when this news kind of was all brokered together on the 19th. That vote is on the 20th for the full city council then to move forward if it does to October, correct? Yes, likely. Um, you know, there always can be some snafus, so it could get pushed back. But I would say if it passes on Wednesday, uh, it will likely be taken up in the October City Council meeting. Quinn Myers, thanks for breaking it down for us. Thanks so much. For more, you can go to blockclubchicago.org to read the full article and our continuing coverage with Quinn, Melody, and others who do great work on this story. Okay, we've got a great good news story for you. Great good news? Yeah, that makes sense. We'll go with it. Involving a vending machine distributing not snack food or soda pop. Do we say soda pop in Chicago? No, we say pop. Uh, Anyways, I'm off track. It's a vending machine that distributes something really cool. Kaylee Paydar has the story. To give back to the city she loves, Steph Krim connects local businesses with vending machines full of creations from local artists through her company, Good Things Vending. Each machine is curated specifically to the location that it lives in. So from the mural on the outside of the machine to all the goodies that are inside, all of it's geared to try and feel like it grew out of that spot. She started her business in 2018 and has since placed five vending machines throughout the city. Each vending machine is decorated by a local artist and filled with a bite of all Chicago has to offer, including handmade creations and nostalgic goodies. You'll find pins, patches, prints, stickers, and some more non-traditional items like people have done bingo card where you can reward yourself for completing adult tasks and practical things, a pen, maybe a poncho, things that you might need out of a vending machine. The only constraints are that the items have to be smaller than a bag of chips and cost less than $20. Krim hopes the vending machines provide people with unexpected joy and more opportunities to connect with the people around them, as well as Chicago's vibrant artistic scene. My main goal, beyond just having more space and more machines, is to continue to find ways to like participate and foster that community. It's why I'm doing anything fun at all. You don't have to be a professional artist to have your work featured in the machine. Anyone who's interested in sharing their creations or getting a machine for their business can reach out to Krim through her website. 
And that'll do it for It's All Good, a Block Club Chicago podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Become a subscriber. We would love for you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. And become a donor or a subscriber to the overall website, blockclubchicago.org. We are a nonprofit newsroom, and uh, we are running basically because of your kind subscriptions and donations. We have a TV show. It's called On the Block. It's on the U Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on CW26. We got this podcast. We got a lot of great things going on, and it's all driven by our readers, our viewers, and our listeners. Till next time, I'm John Hanson. We'll drop another pod on you soon. Yeah.